0: Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am Joel here with my dad. Hey, and I'm Rick. We're so glad you're here today. Dad, a few years ago, I was working for this pastor. You know him well. We'll, we'll leave him unnamed. Um, and he, he called me into his office. And he's like, I need you to kick this lady out of our church. And I was like, what? I'm just the worship leader. And first of all, are we allowed to kick people out of the church? Is that a Christian thing to do? Can you kick people out of the church? And he started going off on church discipline. And so I wanted to talk today about I guess we could call the topic: Should we excommunicate? Is is that a word we use anymore? Should yes. we excommunicate bad Christians? I think so. All right. Well, that was a great podcast. Thanks <laughs> it for really listening. was. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, if you don't have any people in the church, it's a whole lot easier to pastor. Yeah, that's
0: right. <laughs> this church would be this church um, would be perfect if it weren't for the people. <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: afraid though, my problem if I was pastoring is I would have to be kicked myself out first. You know, if you're kicking out all the bad Christians, because none of us really live up to the mark all the time, do we?
0: So there is precedent for confronting people, and right. there's this idea of church discipline. Yeah, Where's the line on that? Well, that's a good question. I,
1: I, you know, I think of the first thing, though, it says if you have aught against your brother, if you have a problem with your brother, bring him before the elders. Oh, wait, wait, you don't do that first, do you? You go to him, and so, yeah, I would think that would be the first step. You go to him or to her. And talk about it, because oftentimes that'll solve the problem. We tend to, though, it's a whole lot easier to go talk to everybody else.
0: I mean, that was Jesus that said that, right? In Matthew Uh, Matthew 18. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over, right?
1: Yeah, I thought that was Eleanor Roosevelt, but I guess it was
0: Jesus. (laughs) it's just Jesus. Okay.
1: Yeah, anyway. So, yeah, you go to them and talk to them, because that'll usually solve the problem, you know. But then it says, if you don't, then then you can get involved in church discipline. But particularly a pastor, it seems to me like uh, you ought to go talk
0: to them, not ask the worship leader to. Yeah, the, the, I mean, this pastor had some bigger issues than just this, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so- The church discipline thing. So we think about, okay, back into Acts, right? Everybody wants to be the Acts church, right? The church of Acts. Uh, There's some examples of discipline in there. Let's look at Ananias and Sapphira. Was that church discipline? Uh,
1: That was discipline (laughs) in the church by the Lord. Uh,
0: So Ananias and Sapphira, if you don't know the story, uh, they're they're kind of, they're deceptive about how much they made off of a sale of land. yeah. And they go and tell the, the elders and the elders are like, well, why are you lying about it? And they're like, we're not lying. And all of a sudden they get struck dead. Right. And it'd like the fear of the Lord is everywhere, but that wasn't actually church discipline. That was just God like striking them dead. Yeah, exactly. That was not, that was not led by the leadership of the church at all. Are there so. any examples in, of church discipline? Cause I mean, you have, yeah. like you have Peter and Paul having some conflict and, and yeah, uh, yeah. Well, there are. Yeah. I mean, uh,
1: the, the most notable one, and I think that we can learn a lot from this one too, is in first Corinthians where Paul says that there was a man in there who was living horribly immorally. And he says, even, even the pagans don't do this and you're allowing it. And I think he says, and you're kind of proud of it. And, and what I read in that is that they were kind of saying, oh, look how accepting we are. Look how tolerant we are. We have this man who's living among us in this sin. And, and they were kind of proud of their tolerance.
0: That happened back then?
1: Uh, yeah, apparently, because that's what he says. And <laughs> wow. I, that's what I read into that is that's what he's saying. They were kind of proud of the fact that, oh, we we are tolerant of this kind of a thing. And, Which brings us to the question. Yeah. He said, yeah. well, following through on that, he said uh, that you are to excommunicate or send the man out of the church. But here's the key, and here's what I think we forget. He says, for the destruction of his flesh, that his soul might be saved. And I think we see in the Old Testament, and here we see in the New Testament, that Rebuke, correction, uh, excommunication, um, exile. The reason the Lord sent them out of the land was for the purpose of restoration. Mm. And it always needs to be for the purpose of restoration, never for the purpose of destruction. Destruction of his flesh so that his soul might be saved.
0: So what does restoration look like? Because I'm thinking, for example, of situations where I've seen pastors that have to, uh, for example, a, a sexual predator in the church. Yeah. And they say, you're not. we can't have you here. Um, well, where are they supposed to go if they're yeah. seeking God? It's like, but yeah, but you're, just your presence here is a threat to our people. So, what's the responsibility of the pastor in protecting the congregation from somebody who's a predator? Well,
1: we had a situation like that okay. where there was a fellow who had been accused of it, you know, and he uh, wanted to attend the church, and um, we allowed him to come. And he, because he didn't want to cause any problems, he we worked with him, and he said he would come in late you know, a few minutes after everybody was in, and he would just go and be seated in the back row, he and his wife, actually. And uh, these were some some suggestions that he actually came up with, and I thought, well, that's that's very wise, because he didn't want to be accused of anything either. Right. And so he wanted to keep himself above possibility of accusation. So he would sit in the back row, and then he would leave during the closing prayer or very end. So what about somebody that gets caught doing
0: this in the church? That's
1: a different situation where you've got somebody who's not, this guy was terribly, I, and, you know, we don't even know if he was guilty. He was, you know, there was no evidence. It was just one accusation. And
0: yeah, I guess there's that. a difference between a, a, an offender versus a predator. I mean, there's, yeah they, legally they have different terms, but yeah. So, but somebody that's caught in the church, immoral, like abusing a child. What are you supposed to do about that? I think you called the police. I think you report it because here's the thing. You, but well, is that church discipline?
1: Oh, uh, it's not church discipline. It is church discipline because who are you turning it over to? You're turning over to, to those who are the representatives of God. The yeah. Bible says that so the Romans police says that. Yeah, yeah. The, the police. Those that bear the sword are representatives of God, and so when we stand against them, we're standing against the Lord Himself. And so God has a organ. God has put in place that structure
0: of the government yeah. to reward those who do right and to punish those who do wrong. Is what we're told. Which is where the, 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 issue gets tricky because there's this idea of, well, let's keep th- this in the house of God. Like, let's keep this, uh, you know, malfeasance. Yeah. Is, when it's is not sin. breaking the law. Yeah. I'm all good with that. That's an important distinction because yeah. I think a lot of time in mean, the Catholic church has been in a heap of trouble lately because, yeah. well, we're going to church discipline this instead of, well, actually they broke the law. You need to call in the outside forces to clean up, which is a, which we don't like. I mean, that's a scary thing to think of Well, you call in the outside something outside of the body of Christ yeah. to clean up a, an issue in it. But there is that element in Romans where he says that. I think you can do both though. I mean, you can clean up the issue. You can deal with the brother in a in a, in a loving sort
1: of a way and then call the police. I mean, you, you need to do both uh, because again, they are representatives of the Lord. And mm-hmm. so you don't, love covers over a multitude of sin. Okay. So, but that's for me. We have to draw the distinction between, okay, let me go. This is. Okay, so Jesus said this. He said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you. And you go, when I first read that, I go, wait a minute, wait wait, No, 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 We haven't heard it said. You said that. It's in your word, Lord.
0: No, but that's the code of Hammurabi. That had been around for years.
1: But again, yeah. it, that's in the Old Testament. Right. So for him to say, or you have heard it said, thou shalt not kill, but I say unto you. You go, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. We've not heard that said. That's in your word. Now, are you saying you've changed your mind? But to understand that you have to put the emphasis in the right place. He said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you. Mm. In other words, he's not changing. In the Old Testament, it was rules and laws primarily for relationships, but how a government handled societal it. Societal structure. Societal structure, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the the Hebrew society. But as you see a narrowing from the Old Testament, he begins to start dealing with an individual. Mm. In fact, the real key in the Old Testament where the pivotal point is where he says, is no longer say a father hath eaten sour grapes and the son's teeth are set on edge. In other words, he says, now every man dies for his own sin. In the Old Testament, Achan sins, man, bring his whole family in, stone the whole family, burn the house, everything goes. In the New Testament, it comes more to a personal. And it, it you see it narrowing throughout the Old Testament. And so in the Old Testament then, he says, now every man dies for his own sin. Mm. You're not, your whole family's not going to go down for it. So the point of that is that I'm saying unto you, he's not saying to the government, Hey, if a guy goes out and kills somebody, you know, turn the other cheek, let him go kill two or three more. But he's saying unto you, you don't exercise punishment. Vengeance belongs to the Lord and he carries it out through those authorities that he has established.
0: So let's go into this authority thing because I've seen a lot of people in churches that have been abused by spiritual authority in the name yeah. of we're keeping our church pure and holy because that's what the Lord wants. <laughs> yeah, I, That's what I, I've seen a lot of people. Uh, my friend, he started attending a church where like you had to be invited by somebody else who's already in the church and then be presented to the church as a potential candidate to be welcomed into the oh, church. that's a wonderful and church the, to pastor. And I'm like, wow, whew. yeah, I'm sure everybody's really healthy, right? Or they cover a lot. That's probably the most. (laughs) And so, and it was like, you invite them in and then they stand up. Does anybody have any reason to protest this man's moral fitness to be part of our church? Things like that. And you're like, whoa. But there was a thing back in the, was it the seventies, the discipling movement where it was like, you live right, you do right. So many people came out of that so abused. And it's like, but- and and I don't I didn't see it seemed like a great idea because yeah, it, it's like it, we're keeping our nose clean and God yeah. loves holiness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really was,
1: and there were some great people in it. I mean, I was I wasn't actually a part of it, but very close to it. I had dear friends who were involved in it, and um, one of my uh, really guy I really respected the most was one of the first to come out of it because he began to see the abuse in it. Come out of it mean I'm not I'm not this part anymore. of this. and yep. he was one of the leaders of it. I mean, he was one of the and he was the one of the first to come out, and so yeah, you know, the idea that you know we we want to live right we want to please the lord we want to but the fact is we are a messed up group of people and it's only by the grace of god that we still even exist and so you know where do you where do you set the bar on that you know jesus said this he said uh, and here's the thing about church discipline that scares me if you're going to follow the biblical mandate who where do you take the first log out It's out of your own eye, you know, and so if you got it all together, then you can go around and start pointing fingers at other people, you know, but if you got, if you feel like you've got it all out of your eye, hmm, probably dealing with a little pride there (laughs) and maybe there's something you're not seeing.
0: So where's the moral authority that the church has to to confront its own congregants? I think, again, you see that in scripture. First of all, in scripture, you see
1: very few uh, church disciplines. In fact, I'm, there's probably some others, you know, put some comments in there if you think of some, but all I can think of is that one where he says, um, well, there's some others where Paul's saying this to him, but you remember there was a fellow who abused Paul and he said, the Lord will take care of him. Mm. Uh, Demas, whatever his name was, I think. But, um, the only one you really see were the church, and that was a very flagrant moral violation that there was no question about. You know, we had to, we had to recently, I guess you'd say, discipline one of our missionaries, where they just, we sat down with them, we talked with them, they were celebrating something that was sin, Mm -hmm. and uh, we showed them the scripture and we talked, and finally we just came to this. Well, can you agree that this is sin? Like it says right here very clearly in the passage of scripture. And after a kind of a poignant pause, the fellow says, no. Well, then we're not in agreement and we can't walk together. And so we just had to say, you know, you had to go your way, but that was very flagrant. That was very blatant. It's not like, oh man, I goofed up again and I'm, you know, said these stupid things or did these stupid things, you know?
0: So that's, that's a parting of ways, but there's an element too of people, well, you need to restore the the brother that's, that's fallen. Right. And so a lot of times, you know, I know when a pastor messes up and everybody complains, well, they didn't do anything to try and re, uh, Restore him, yeah, and that's where it gets tricky because, well, first of all, you have to be open to restoration, and that means submitting yourself to someone kind of help coaching you through, yeah. the process. Yeah. But that's a tricky one too because, uh, like, what is the what is the responsibility of the church when somebody's caught really doing something flagrantly bad? Yeah, right? and okay, so and maybe that the you know it's not something that's the police sinful. Yes, the police arrest yeah. them for or whatever. Okay.
1: Well Galatians 6 clearly lays out the attitude we should have in it, and it gives a warning with it too. It says this, if a brother is overtaken in a fault you who are spiritual well that eliminates most of us but know what it's saying is those who aren't caught in the fault <laughs> yeah. you who are spiritual restore such a one. Mm. So re- There's restoration a restoration a goal. Yep. there is a restoration quote. Yeah. There is restoration. But it says do it in a spirit of meekness lest you also be tempted. Mm. Which tends to imply that if you come at it with a arrogant sort of an attitude, you're sort of opening the door for you to experience either the same or a similar temptation, or perhaps it's a temptation in an area where you have a weakness and you may be strong in the area where this guy's falling, you know, like I'm not, I'm not tempted to steal money or do stuff like that, you know, that just doesn't appeal to me, but I have other areas of weakness. And so if I'm coming at some guy who's ripped off the church or something, you know, and I'm coming at it with this attitude of arrogance, it kind of implies that if I don't do it in a spirit of meekness, I may be opening the door for me to be tempted as well.
0: Wow. It doesn't say I'm yeah. going to
1: fall, I mean, but a certainly temptation, and I don't even need that, you know?
0: Which, which that's the, I mean, that is the challenge, is there's these commands from God of, Be holy. And so you want to set yourself up as living justly and upright, but there's just this human tendency. We always drift into self-righteousness of, I'm living right on my own strength, and you should be able to pull up your own strength to live right too. And that's how you quickly fall. Pride cometh before the fall. Yeah. My King James there, virgin. And that's the tricky thing about, even the idea of kicking someone out of the church is... Where is the line for that, and is it you're not as holy as as we need you to be, so you don't get it, and they, that makes it a a, a club? <laughs> yeah, and in <laughs> some a-
1: ways, you know, like we had it, we had had people coming to our church, you know, for example, when we were in Corpus, there that, um, you know, it was obvious that there were these uh, a couple, a lesbian couple that were coming to the church, you know, and um, I thought, well, praise God that they're here. Yeah. You know, I'd rather them be here than anywhere else on Sunday morning or whenever. Um, and I didn't go and address that particularly if it, if it would come up in scripture, because I'm trusting it's, it's never going to be me that can touch the heart of a person. It's always got to be God and through his Holy Spirit. So if they're sitting in a congregation of spirit filled people,
0: sitting under the word of God, sitting
1: under the influence of the word of God and the spirit of God, there's a better chance of them coming under conviction, then if I go up to him and say, well, you know what you're doing is wrong,
0: right? I mean, it's, just, it's the same, I mean, it'd be the same as if some adulterous man is sitting, like, would you rather the adulterer be in church yeah. or kicked out of the church? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so we, now there's a difference when we're talking about just coming and sitting and being there and having a position in leadership. Right. That's right. a different situation. And, um, I think the, the the idea of allowing people to come, and we, we look at it like, well, in the New Testament church, there was only believers that were allowed together. But that's not really true either um, because you see when Paul was talking about the exercise of the gift of tongues, he says if an unbeliever comes in. And um, so he's saying there will be people who might come into your fellowship, and they didn't throw them out if they were unbelievers. They came to sort of check things out, you know. And so there, we have that same situation today where the church, it would be wonderful. And that's what these people that you were talking about who want the pure church, you know, that we're, we're going to interview you to see if you can come in. That's okay. I mean, that's okay. But it, church today so much as an evangelistic tool too, because if you want, you know, if, if Joe Sixpack wakes up and he's, you know, Sunday morning and sleeping in his puke all night long because he got a big drunk Saturday and he goes, I got to find God, you know, where's he going to go? Well, he's not going to go to that church where he's got to be interviewed to get in. Yeah. So you want to have an open door because in our culture, in our society, if people want to find God, you know, where are they going to stumble into a church? And so there needs to be that element of inviting them in because if they don't find God among his people—
0: where are they going to find him? Which is where it gets tricky because there's also a level of commitment that's required. And a lot of people say, the reason the church is so weak is because we don't require any commitment from people and we don't discipline them. Jesus
1: had the same thing though. He had those that inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Then he had an outer circle of his 12. He had an outer circle of, of those who kind of hung around with him. And then there were those who just came for the loaves and fishes. I mean, he didn't have yeah. four, th- I mean, even on the day of Pentecost, what, there were 120 or something, you know,
0: at a, a small church. So it's not a failure to have a, which is pretty much every church I've ever been to from 40,000 members to 40 members. Yeah, exactly. There's a core group of people yeah. and then there's the onlookers. Um, and the onlookers, they're, they're not necessarily, ch- you know, that if you're going to do this disciplining thing, there's always going to be onlookers and, but there are core people that are part of running the church. And that maybe is the function of discipleship there is when they've committed into a discipleship relationship, then you say, Hey, there's going to be some accountability here. Yeah, and if you're not if you're not living up to this thing that we need from leadership, then there then maybe that's where the church discipline comes in is with specifically with leaders, but not just with every random member of the church. I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, it, it's kind of like a family. I mean, I have a responsibility to discipline my kids, but not a responsibility to discipline the neighbors' kids.
0: Right. Well, I, and then but then how are the. Yeah, they then, may
1: just be onlookers. They may be at a party or something if they're in my house, now I can keep them from doing certain things, but it's not my responsibility to disciple them and train them in manners and all those things, you know.
0: So how do you know when somebody's ready to be fall, sit under the discipline of leadership? Well, they they have to take that step, I mm-hmm. think. You know, I don't think you can
1: force that upon anybody because so much you can, you're not going to be with them 24/7. And so unless they're really willing to take that step. Here's what I found though, you know, I The people that want it and are hungry for God, they're going to find it somewhere. They're going to be looking for it. They're going to, you know, when you're hungry, you find food. Yeah. You go looking for it. And people that want that discipleship, they're the only ones that you're going to be able to feed anyway.
0: Yeah. And they're also going to be more willing to submit to uh, when there needs to be a rebuke about living short of something. In fact,
1: they may come to you and say, hey, if you see something in my life, I mean, if they're wise, they're going to say, I've got blind spots. Point them out to me. I want you to tell me. Yeah. Because, you know, so it says the wise man receives a rebuke, you know, but the fool doesn't, you know, the Which fool will get angry with you, get upset with you if you
0: rebuke him. Which is maybe where this whole idea of, you know, excommunicating church discipline comes in is if you come in humbly and say, I'm open to correction, there, there would probably never be a Never need be for a that. reason. No, yeah, no. Yeah. And
1: and the excommunication, again, if you actually ask somebody to leave, it would be with the idea of restoration. It would be the idea of we want to win you back, but this, this cannot... Change. And the problem, of course, in today's church is they just go down the street and become a <laughs> Bible study leader in the next church, which is fine. You know, it's, yeah. it's okay. Maybe God will do something in there. But, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's just a dangerous thing when we feel like we're the ones responsible for disciplining everybody because we have so many logs in our own eye.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want more information from Joel or Rick, you can visit joelmalm.com or rickmalm.com. Please consider leaving a review of the podcast.